Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to the show. So happy you're tuning in. This is Richard Ryerson, and this is Dose of Leadership. Happy as always you're tuning in. Great conversation today. It was unique and fun to have my friends Mike Schneider and Bruce Rowley come on the show. I met Mike Schneider about five years ago, I think, four or five years ago. He's a prime Marine Corps officer, so that's how we met and uh, had a connection there. And he introduced me to his longtime business partner and friend, Bruce Rowley. And they are the owners and the founders of a company called RSM Marketing. And it's been fun and a privilege for me to see firsthand them grow their business and them grow as leaders. And uh, we, I've been wanting to have them on the show for a long time. And we finally did it. We sat down and recorded, learned a little bit about their history, learned a little bit about their leadership journey, and uh, learned a little bit about the uniqueness of their marketing business. I know when I started my entrepreneurial journey uh, in full force, I don't know, eight, nine years ago, and I started thinking about uh, all the marketing that I should be doing to grow my business. And I still, even now, I get a little overwhelmed, particularly on how fast it's changing and social media and everything else. And you just think, my God, there's so much to do. And again, it's overwhelming. I know it was for me and it has been for me. Uh, listening to Mike and Bruce about their business model and how they view marketing, I know it's helped me personally in my business and, and learned a lot from them. And and that's what's great about them. They do have a unique business. Um, the good news is, and I've come to find out, is you don't have to become a marketing expert myself, and I don't need to recruit, employ, and manage an expensive team. And that's where Bruce and Mike have come up with this unique idea. You see, RSM Marketing, what they do is for the less, less than a cost of one full-time employee, you get an entire team of marketing specialists and it's led by an experienced experience marketing director. And it's someone that meets with you personally each week to get the work done. And that's what I love about them, right? I mean, you can literally pick up the phone with these guys. And I've seen it happen with a client. And they'll be talking on the phone. And, and within hours, they'll be engaged in getting some work done. And some, some fundamental marketing uh, tasks will be completed. Uh, they're basically an outsourced marketing department. I mean, think about it. It's an outsourced marketing department, a subscription based service with them. And I just find that completely unique because, I mean, companies all across the country are moving to this more efficient outsourcing model when you look at like human resources and accounting and everything else. Well, they're doing it with marketing and it's an efficient marketing model. I love their company. It's been named twice to the Inc. 5000 list. And I just love their story. I love their leadership journey. I love their their humble, teachable spirit combined with intensity of will. You've heard me talk about that many times on this show. That really is, for me, on a daily basis, the sweet spot that I try to obtain on my own leadership journey and in my business. And each business that I coach, individuals that I coach, it's that's always the goal, to maintain this intensity of will coupled with a humble, teachable spirit. And where that diagram intersects, that's the sweet spot. And that's what we're always aiming for. And I see that in both these individuals and, of course, with the company RSM Marketing. I really think you're going to enjoy this conversation. You'll learn a lot about marketing, but you also learn a lot about the leadership journey uh, involved with these two entrepreneurs and leaders as well. 
I've set up a, a link called uh, outsourcemarketingteam.com slash dose, and you can learn more about their organization uh, because I know them and I'm, I'm so passionate about their business and I value them individually as leaders. We set up this link so you can learn more about their business. So check out the link on the blog post or, of course, go to outsourcemarketingteam.com slash dose and you can learn more. All right, here's the fascinating conversation with Mike Snyder and Bruce Rowley, the owners and founders of RSM Marketing here on Dose of Leadership. Well, Bruce and Mike, it's great to sit down with you. I've known you guys for a few years now, but to finally sit down and talk about the uh, the, the inner workings of your business, I've been interesting or interested to do this for a long time, so welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Richard. Thanks. I'm interested to find out about the inner workings of my business myself, <laughs> actually. <laughs> You know, one thing I've known, like I said, I've known you guys. For, I know it's about three or four years now, and you've been very supportive of the show and of, and of me. And but one thing I've always noticed about you two, particularly about your relationship, it's a contrarian relationship. It's a contrarian business, I would say. What do you think about when you hear me say that? Would you agree? I wouldn't use the word. I understand where you're going with contrarian, but we, uh, I, I think, Mike uh, would agree with this. We would call it a challenger business and a challenger relationship. Mm, interesting. Mike, what do you think about that? Well, I want to take a more simplified view. Uh, you know, I, I like to link things back to nature. There's the sun and the moon and sweet and sour, salt and pepper, night and day. And it's that kind of relationship. <laughs> like a yin and yang type thing? <laughs> yes, exactly. Ooh, very good. Very good. <laughs> it's interesting. Take us back because it, it, I would think if I was walking in the street and knowing you two, it's like, how did you guys come together? You've stuck together for quite some time. Where did you guys meet and how did how did you get to this point in the Cliff Notes version? <laughs> Well, okay, I'll give the Cliff Notes version because I actually remember how it started out. And, you know, as most great things do, I think the genesis of it is really important. That is, it started with conviction. It started with belief. It it started with a cause. And so there we were talking for the very first time saying, you know what, we need to bring great marketing consultation to middle market businesses. It's not really being done by large ad agencies. How do we do that? And, and, and Bruce, who had just come back, you know, to the Midwest from, you know, abroad, said, you know what, that sounds really interesting. That's kind of what I'm interested in, too. And so we spent the last 16 years over several businesses figuring that out and bringing it to the rest of America, actually, at this point. But Mike takes all the romance out of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's, it's funny because... Um, I actually ran into Mike uh, by uh, being really rude to him and his family when they when he was driving through my neighborhood uh, and I was out walking a dog and he pulled up and asked about a house that may or may not have been for sale on the corner and I said something like I don't know you wouldn't tell oh us. that's right I wouldn't tell you because I didn't want you to come and ruin my neighborhood <laughs> Um, he something really wouldn't tell us. Something like that. I thought and he was so, some sort of butthead attorney. Sorry to all the attorneys that, out that's there. That's right. I didn't know he was an ad guy. So, so we actually met there, and he drove off thinking, what a jerk. And I drove off thinking, good, I don't want any, any families like that moving into my neighborhood. Um, <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's and true. It's <laughs> actually <laughs> true. And then uh, a friend of mine uh, I was out to lunch with, and he said, you know, there's somebody I want you to meet um, because I think you guys would really hit it off, and, and you need somebody to help you. I had just taken over a, a failing business and um, my wife had just told me you need to get a partner um, into this thing to help you because I don't want to listen to it anymore I'm not going to be an effective set of ears for you um, and so she told me that 
like on a Tuesday night and then Wednesday, I got a call from this buddy of mine who said, oh, you know what? You need to meet this guy, Mike Snyder. He's a great marketing guy. He's a little frustrated with where he is now. And I think you guys would really hit it off. So we set up a lunch. I go to the lunch. It's him. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. You're that guy. I saw. It almost yeah. sounds like a, a, uh, a movie almost. Yeah, it, it really was. I'm not making any of that up. No, it was absolutely ridiculous. Showed up at the Hyatt, looked at each other and went, oh, Gosh, <laughs> and uh, ended up having about a two-hour lunch and mapped out the entire value model that we've essentially spent 16 years chasing. Wow. <laughs> Before we get to that, I got to ask, <laughs> did you guys get that uncomfortable initial exchange out of the way? And did you talk about the elephant in the room, I guess? Oh, yeah, but I think that was actually the beginning of this yin and yang thing. Yeah. Because, like, right away, the thing is neither one of us uh, took it personally like something we were going to carry at least i don't think we did you're not mad at me anymore are you? i'm mad at no not um, anymore not for that but you know it would immediately uh, gave us something to laugh about and bond over and the fact that we could both laugh about how funny right. that is right uh was actually a great starting point i would say yeah it broke the ice <laughs> it broke the ice it yeah. sure right. did <laughs> You know, it's great because it started with almost brutal honesty from the get-go, right? Which when you get into partnerships or businesses and if you don't have brutal honesty kind of laying it down, it eventually it rears its ugly head. We all know that, right? And and conviction because uh, our stubbornness because Mike, as he still notes to this day repeatedly, he never did tell me. Like, he asked me a question. I never gave him the answer. <laughs> he was just He was just baffled that somebody would just refuse to tell him whether that house was for sale and how much it was. <laughs> Interesting. I seem to care. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oddly enough, he's now moved to my neighborhood within the last five years. He finally, he finally made did. it in. I did. I did. over the dark side. <laughs> wow. Well, let's talk about uh, the concept because I, I think when I met you, and again, uh, and being kind of a, a newbie, uh, always passionate about marketing, but always kind of stayed on the periphery, on the outer edges of myself because it seems so scary and obtuse and, and frightening for for myself. But when you guys explained it to me early on, it seemed to make a lot of sense. Like, why wouldn't somebody like myself hire somebody like you in these kind of these short package deals or these value-added deals? That, and I just thought that was the way it was done. Tell me the difference between what you did, you know, the gap that was out there and what, you know, what you do that's so different. Wow. Well, okay, we probably have two different perspectives. I'll start. I'll take the shot. Because, you know, this is, you know, again, my interpretation of what we're here uh, on the face of the planet to do uh, in our craft. And that is, uh, you know, every company needs, every, every company does marketing. I mean, being in business, by definition, is, you, you know, you're offering something of value to somebody else hoping to get an exchange. Um, but very few um, businesses use marketing firms. And so what confounded Bruce and I when we were at a larger ad agency is like, you know, this is just ridiculous, you know, because there's so much opportunity, you know, uh, to be had if businesses were to embrace, you know, just even a little bit of marketing. Well, yeah, right. I mean, 
You know, and not marketing communications necessarily. I mean, that's advertising and PR and websites and all that. We're talking about business level, you know, gaining an unfair advantage in your business by doing things demonstrably differently through a marketing strategy and even a business concept level. And so uh, we figured out a way to actually, and, and the problem was, as we defined it was, well, you know, no one is really offering this on an affordable uh, um, budget-friendly you know, basis and also in a model that's easy to execute. And so when we started RSA, now RSM, almost eight years ago, uh, that's what we uh, wanted to figure out. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll rephrase it a little bit and say every great, successful product and service is driven by ease. People, I say it every single day, people aren't stupid, they're lazy. We are all lazy. We are always looking for an easier way, okay? Mm-hmm. Delivery pizza, that explains it all. So... Um, when what we looked at was a trend and that trend was complexity so marketing and advertising actually used to be pretty simple uh, yellow pages radio tv newspaper kind of done maybe billboard right but that's it complexity has driven marketing to just a, a, a level that 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 even in my lifetime i mean i i can't even fathom how complex right. it is today and and so we looked at other industries okay that have that have done outsourcing hr lots of lots of firms are 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 interested in pursuing hr outsourcing accounting increasingly being outsourced what 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 drives that um and and in both cases if you look at what's driving people to outsource those things it's complexity Mm -hmm. because they simply say geez i used to just have an hr person but now it's so complex i'll have to have a whole hr team and they'll have to be kept up to date on all these different things i don't want to be in the hr business anymore it's way too complicated so it's complication that drives them to outsource and we literally looked at that we knew people who owned hr and accounting outsource firms and we looked at our own industry and saw the exact same trend mm-hmm. happening in our industry. So we just we just took that model and applied it to marketing and we talked to companies and we say it's really they they're overwhelmed with the the sheer volume of different tactics and the the range of specialists, technical specialists that they have to have, even small businesses. Right. And and we applied uh, that model, and and that that's the simple way to to explain what we do, which is an outsourced marketing department subscription. Yeah, and that's why I mean it made sense one because when I looked at it, I was overwhelmed because of the complexity that's happened, particularly in the last ten years. Right? Do you think the larger agencies were slow to ad- adapt? You think they would be on the cutting edge and they would recognize no. that early? No, because it's because it's really really easy to say and hard, hard to do. To do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. the truth. <laughs> That's with everything, right? Everything to make things simple is extremely hard, right? right. So hard. All right, well, so I'll bring something in. Uh, you know, we like to think in terms of, you know, business multipliers, mm-hmm. which is, you know, you know, no one when you start a business wants to do things, you know, in the linear fashion and just, you know, eke along like, you know, their peers or their competitors. And so, you know, we were just, a, you know, probably uh, maybe 18 months old, maybe 24 months old, and Bruce came across this video, Peter Thiel, PayPal founder, Stanford Entrepreneurial Series, and he likes to do this to me to ruin my Saturdays. Hey, email or text. Hey, take a look at this. Pay attention to the 20-minute <laughs> mark. You know, a couple years later, they me a 120-page PowerPoint on culture, and I'm like, oh, crap. Well, okay then. You know, so I took a look at the video, and it was like, wow, that's it. You know, at the 20-minute mark, you know, Peter Thiel is saying, if you're going to start a business, make sure that it's an order of magnitude better than what is today. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, and we're talking about easy is a, is a strategy to get to this order of magnitude better. And he said, if you're going to start a business, and we had just done that, he says, you make it 10 times better. PayPal was 10 times better than what was. And so, you know, we're not geniuses, but we are smart enough to really pay attention to some great business philosophy and theory. And when someone like Peter Thiel says, do this thing 10 times better, we said, you know what? We have this idea as to how we can make marketing easier, but now we've really got the motivation because there's nothing like this out there. We just had to figure out how to do it to get to this order of magnitude better for the market, for customers. Right. And we had to figure out what exactly order of magnitude, okay? Because everybody says, oh, no, 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 no. Our marketing is way more effective than other people's marketing. But what they don't do is make it 10 times easier for the client to actually do it and get it done. Because Everyone says we're 10 times more, we're an order of magnitude more creative, or we're an order of magnitude more effective. But clients can't ever get there because they're also an order of magnitude more difficult and complicated. (laughs) Um, So we, we really wanted to focus on how do we make it an order of magnitude easier to actually engage a marketing firm and get a bunch of your marketing done. Right. And at the same time keep it effective, easy and effective. Yeah, we still have good, there's still the art side of marketing and marketing communications. And so certainly what Bruce says is really important. We're talking about a business construct, you know, as far as making it easier. And, uh, you know, for for our customers and our our businesses, acquaintances across the country that we talk to, we look to get an order of magnitude better in their business. And by the way, it doesn't, you know, a lot of folks are like, oh, we got to invent, you know, we got to invent the PayPal or we have to invent, you know, the next best chip, you know. No, not really, because, you know, our order of magnitude better just really came in pricing well, and, and even packaging. I mean, stuff that we already had to do anyway. And for these clients, I mean, I hear what you're saying, Richard. Yeah, we're, we're effective marketers. But I can tell you... That's a given, that, right? Well, yes, Should that be. is, you, I got to be. Mm-hmm. But if, 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 if being a getting being even more being 10% more effective for my clients involves 90% more complexity on their part what have we gained right then they're just not going to do it mm-hmm. so i have to look at i tend to look at these things and say look am i way more effective than the alternative for them absolutely because I may not be, I can't guarantee that, that we're going to be the single most effective marketing firm on the planet that they can hire. But I know that I'm more effective than the 99% of firms that they're never going to hire or get anything done. And the number one thing that we're up against with clients is simply bandwidth and complacency and capability. Because the alternative for most of our clients is they just won't do anything. Mm. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> so, how do you? I mean, how do you measure that? How do you know that the, the that this order of magnitude? I mean, against what? How do you know you're that much? Let more me tell you a little story. A client. I'll tell the story. This is actually Bruce's story because I thought it was a stupid idea, so I wanted nothing to do with it. But you know, I heard what was going on, and I it's really nice to have a skeptic in the room. And I was this huge skeptic. I mean, I'm a you know, old Marine Corps Lieutenant Colonel, you know, and I mean, I'd rather just win a war with a spoon than have all these grandiose ideas, you know, and I know Richard, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I know about, what you're talking okay? about, okay? Yeah. All right, so one day, you know, uh, Bruce comes in, we have a, a large, you know, hospital client, and this is really where I really got this idea of order of magnitude better, you know, and um, a top HCA hospital in the country. And uh, Bruce said, okay, 
we're going to allow, right? We are going to allow um, folks who have just, you know, discovered they have to go to an emergency room the ability to uh, basically uh, check in in advance. I go, what do you mean check in in advance? And he says, well, you know, they're going to, you know, get online and submit you know, this form and it's going to go through secure facts and they will, ha you know, have checked in to this ER. And I'm like, well, they can't do that. That's triage. What, you know, so we got over the arguing back and forth of the technical aspects and what it boiled down to, and this is really where the opportunity is for any company, you have to really understand what your market wants, okay? And so when somebody is out there and they've just injured themselves, you know, they know they have to go to an ER. That's the commodity purchase. But which ER are they going to go to? And they're going to go to the one that uh, they feel is expecting them. They, f they understand, I've sent my information, they're expecting me. We follow that up with, hey, you know, here's how long you have to wait. We, we gave them that, that, that understanding. And the, uh, the research on this order of magnitude better for this emergency room and this hospital said that um, folks who check in in advance will go 15 minutes farther to where they've checked in, past an ER that's closer, where they have no idea how long the wait is and where folks aren't expecting them. Well, we just, you know, people people just want to feel connected. They, it, w it led us to a whole other series of discoveries about ways to, that, that people were changing the way that they went online from going online to visit brochure websites and collect information about things. And, and the, we just happened to be on the right time of when the web was turning more transactional. Mm -hmm. Um, I saw a funny uh, joke the other day that I really loved that, that talked about how uh, 10 years ago we were told uh, two things that we knew were true. Don't buy anything over the internet with a credit card and don't get into cars with strangers. And today we actually put our, our credit card on the internet to then go get in a car with a stranger. <laughs> right. So um, yeah. the world is truly turned upside down yeah, with regards to, to how we use the web and, and, and how we live our lives. If you think about how far we've come in 10 years, th those are the kinds of, of things that we do all the time for our clients is try to figure out how do we make it how do we help our clients make it easier for their customers to do business with them? So in the case of the ER, we were just making people feel better and make it a little bit easier about knowing that when I go to the ER, they're going to be able that ER is going to be able to say, "Okay, what's your name?" "Oh, Mr. Ryerson, we've been we've been expecting you." Right. So almost everything you're talking about, you talked about the connection piece of it. Mm -hmm. You guys seem to have, we've talked about, I don't know, Mike, you and I have had multiple conversations about culture. You guys seem to understand that or, or latch on to that idea of culture. Is that one of your multipliers talking about culture? Yeah, we're you know <laughs> we're just gluttons for punishment. <laughs> Why you say that? Well, because you know I mean we talk about it all the time internally, and more than talking about it, we've executed against it. You know, and so you know businesses, uh, if they're growth businesses, and you know we've been fortunate to be an Inc. 5000 recipient, you know twice. And we've done some things right. We've been very lucky. But we've also applied a lot of business philosophy, you know. And so we think strategically. It's like, okay, what are our, well, I mean, what is our business core concept? What are the marketing strategies as a business that are going to get us to where we want to be, uh, whether it's financial and even just by way of, you know, you know are we running a lifestyle business or a growth business? Yes, we're going to take some challenges and, and structuring for where the market wants us to be, what they're buying. But at the same time, we know something. Bruce, you want to say it? Well, everybody knows Right? I mean, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Yep. And we all hear that phrase and we talk about it, but, but it's absolutely fundamental to us. And we've practiced it 
in some really fundamental ways that I learned from a, a stint that I that I spent um, out at Coke Industries. And I went out to Coke because I wanted to learn their culture and I wanted to learn what made that place really special. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the big things that I learned there, which is so hard to execute when you, when it comes down to it, is to hire for values, not, yeah. f- not for skills. Um, if, if you can find somebody who's a great values match and they happen to have the skills and experience, man, that's a, a home run. Yeah, that's keep, an absolute, keep that person every day. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> but, but um, you know, we were having trouble early on. We didn't necessarily do that. We were growing really fast. We threw bodies on board just, mm-hmm. you know, left and right. Didn't pay a whole lot of attention to it. At the end of a year, our first year in business, we were by any means hugely successful. We had probably the third largest marketing firm in town. We were a year old. We had 14, 15 employees, which was a big deal from zero. Um, And Mike and I were absolutely miserable. And we looked at each other and we literally talked about just shutting the whole damn thing down because we were like, this sucks. I hate this business. I hate being in it. I hate the people I work with. (laughs) I'm not having fun at all. This sucks. And, over the next, really, geez, 90, 120 days through a process of, in some, in many cases, self-selection on the people's part who were working in the business, but also through some, some uh, uh, terminations, we, we, we ended up trading out, I don't know, 80% of wow. the people in the business um, and were very deliberate about who we were hiring, why we were hiring them. In a couple of cases, one in particular, we hired somebody in a highly technical position with zero, zero experience yeah. ever doing yeah. anything like that job. But they so fit the culture of who we were that we said, okay, you know what? Come in. You'll learn it. You're going to be great. And, and that person built a whole career that they're not with us any longer. They've gone out. They've got a whole career now doing that job um, that they learned here. And they were, they, they were phenomenal at, at, at doing it here with no prior experience. And that yeah. gave us huge confidence that we could do that yeah. over and over and over again. And we have. I love that example. <laughs> love, love, love that example because it's so true. We have all been there. We've all hired that employee that had the beautiful resume, the experience and no one does it better than this. But man, you get yourself if you've got, you know, if you've got that diagram where you've got the four quadrants and you've one's character and one's, yep. you know, what the bottom line experience, whatever they bring to the table, and it's that high performer that has those low character or the the, the mismatch of culture. That's the worst case to be in. And we've all and you're afraid to let go of them, almost like a, a, an abused spouse. Almost like I can't leave. We they're, look, they're our best performer, but their character flaw or their culture isn't. It's not a fit with the culture. It, it's a miserable place to be. You know, at, at, at Coke, they 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 when they talk about that person, they call that that when we talk when you talk about the quadrant of the incredibly talented and skilled person who's on the absolute far bottom end of values and beliefs. Yeah, they call that Enron. Yeah, that is smartest so guys in the room. But you know what? They're the ones that are going to make the most spectacular explosion. That's so <laughs> true. It's toxic, right? It's toxicity, and you got to get rid of the toxins. And it's unfortunate. We we get so attached to whatever that performance level, 
but man, it, they are, they literally are the destroyers of so, the so, death of business. So I sent Mike this thing that he talks about a lot, the, the, the Netflix culture oh, model. Oh, I don't know. Um, are we allowed and, to say that? Well, I'm not going to say the whole thing, but in, in, <laughs> in, there, in, 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 in theirs is really funny because you see it over and over in all these different models. Um, and for their, for their culture model, they call those, they have a very specific word for them, and they call them brilliant a-holes. Yep, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, Netflix is one of those that, you know, but I even, might even go back to the Marine Corps stuff. There's a lot of that, that concept of hiring for character and buying those characters. Because you know, the skill set, like you said, and you've proved it already. Like some of them have any skill set, but if they, they've got that motivation, it fits in the culture. Um, you well, and there's and there's no doubt. Okay, in the in the Netflix model and the Coke model, in the Netflix model, they're very clear. When you hire people like that, it never, ever, pays out. Ever. Never. Yeah. <laughs> it's so true. Yep. So if you were someone to bring in a little formula, you know, that has uh, helped us organize our management team every year, we go through a strategic planning process, and we go through this four plus two formula, and culture is in it, you know, and there's two phases Mm -hmm. to this. So, you know, it it supremely helped us understand as young business people how to even think about a business, okay? Not really have run a business from the ground up like this. And so we got this through the Harvard Business Review. They did this great article on a book, you know, and it's like, okay, we studied thousands of businesses over the course of 10 years, and here are the four things you got to do right if you're going to be a high-performing, sustainable business. First thing is you got to get your strategy right. We've talked about that. You got to structure against your strategy. You know, kind of talked about that. You got to execute. We all know we got to execute, okay? And then the fourth one is culture. Mm-hmm. And really, and that's the most misunderstood aspect in business. Yep. And by the way, you have to do two electives correct. For anybody who cares and listening, you got to either do one, do two of these four things: talent. Leadership, innovation, or M and A. So two years ago, we did M and A. You know, we actually put it on our plan for that year. Dag on it. You know, we're tired of growing slowly through you know just sales. We're just going to go acquire a company against a business strategy. So we did. And little uh, did we know that it was, you know, there were some challenges in that culture. And so we struggled once again with a company that was twice the size that it was overnight um, with night and day people by way of orientation polarity, you know, positive, negative kind of thing. And this is where, you know, Bruce, I don't know what he does on a weekend, but he discovered <laughs> this Netflix culture model. He tossed it my way, and it was really interesting. Mm-hmm. And went, that's it. That's exactly what we're facing. So there's... Phase two to anybody who's thinking about culture. There's, I think that there's the relationship aspect as to whether we get along, but then there's the team dynamic, you know, and the process identification and selection. Well, what does that mean? For instance, you know, in a growing business, and this is where it really hit with us, uh, this model said, look, as complexity in a business increases through growth, the propensity is to bureaucratize processes. That's right. And that actually slows down and stops the very mm-hmm. growth that got you there. That's right. It's the difference between having an operating mindset and an innovative mindset. And the operating mindset, obviously, you know, it, it pays the bills and keeps the lights on. But you've got to keep a foot on the innovative side, which is fuzzy front end, <laughs> which uh, is hard to measure, which gets people outside of lanes. You know, and you're right. And you're constantly that natural conflict of like, well, my job description says this. I know, but get outside of your lane and help me do this because, right? And so you need both. Yes, that, that's right on model. And so the model says, hey, don't sweat it. This is natural. What you can't do is turn into this monolithic process that's right. driven that chokes that's right. out all innovation <laughs> where all your outstanding stunning colleagues, they call it stunning colleagues, leave. That's right. Because it breeds stagnation mediocrity. You're absolutely right. That's right. Highly recommended. 
it's the difference between management and leadership. Really, management is the whole the old what's the old saying? The managing things is doing uh, doing things or doing the right things or doing things right is the management side, and the leadership side is the innovative side is doing the right things, which is sometimes goes against your well, that's how we've always done it, policy, procedure, regulation, process, whatever you have, right? Yeah. I'm with you on that. You always got to be bucking that, that, that trend. But you can't just be, because you got to keep the lights on. You got to make payroll. So you got to have a strong operating sense, right? But you've got to be heavily weighted on the innovative, I think. Well, there's that yin and yang thing again. That's right. So the interesting thing about Mike and I, to kind of bring it full circle a little bit, is that um, we've... In the beginning of our relationship, I think for for us and for many other people, it was really uh, very obvious um, which side of the coin each Mike and I landed on, right? Um, And... Uh, I mean, Mike came from the Marines, and he had, had recently been in an accounting firm as their marketing person. And I was this guy who'd come. I'd moved here from Singapore, where I'd worked globally in ad agencies, traveling all over, doing all these, you know, all the, the crazy ad agency stuff that, that you see. Most of it's true, actually. <laughs> um, and... Uh, so people had a very clear understanding. Today, 16 years later, I, I, I think um, there's, uh, I think we're very, well, I can say we absolutely f- have people flummoxed because we, we flip-flop in those roles quite frequently today. Yeah. Um, I find myself on the process end uh, with Mike uh, in the fuzzy front end. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I know, right? It's so weird. But <laughs> oh, we love it. <laughs> Well, there's one thing I like about you guys and I like about the company from an outsider looking in. And again, it's on the periphery. I'm, but as, a, as an observer, as a leadership junkie, a junkie on entrepreneurship business, the mindset of it, I think the sweet spot always is this tremendous intensity of will, right, coupled with this humble, teachable spirit. And where that Venn diagram intersects wow. is the sweet spot. And I think you guys have that. I don't from an, from an outside observer. I see that in both of you. I've seen even the, in the three to four years that I've known you uh, a progression or a change or a, a humbleness and a teachable spirit. You you shared that that story about right how you got rid of eighty percent of your folks and you. I'm like okay, we got to redo this. I hate this. That's a teachable hum, that, that probably humbled you quite a bit, right? I mean, and we get the sense that businesses have to be this larger than life type A personality, intensity, creativity, all this stuff. But I see this humility, this humble teachable spirit, and this intensity. And I think I think that's why you're starting to see or you have experienced some of the success. What are your thoughts on that? Wow. Okay. So, you know, <laughs> my thoughts on that. You know, being a mission-oriented person, you know, Richard, I mean, you can't, you, know, you just don't join the Marine Corps because you just think it's going to be an outrageously fun job. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's not. It is enjoy it, it for comfort. Especially right? early. It sucks a lot. Okay. <laughs> but you do it because there's a cause. And so, mm-hmm. again, we were, we were, we set out. We're like, how, you know, we, we wanted to crack a nut. Okay, which was mm-hmm. not sell a lot, make a lot of money. Actually, we never ever talked that way. We just don't. Because, right. you know, we're too busy even at this time chasing the dream, which I'm going to say is two things. One of which is, you know, making marketing uh, relevant and doable by every company that is middle market or mainstream. You know, that's, you know, not the big companies, but all of us. And two, and, and you know, uh, we never forget this. 
we went to a Chamber of Commerce event our first year being in business. We had just been in business for literally two months. And we were listening to the CEO of the Gallup organization. And right. he was on a mission from God. I don't think I've seen, especially a statistician, let alone any business leader, unhinge the way that he was mm-hmm. unhinged. And, you know, this was 2010. You know, we were just maybe seeing the glimpses of coming out of the Great Recession. And he was like, look, people everywhere, you must understand, more businesses close every year than open. We are actually experiencing negative business growth. It is going to destroy the fabric of America. And we have to, inc- in, in, we have to um, ad, you know, find entrepreneurs and admonish them, support them, encourage them every way we can. And Bruce and I kind of took a look at each other and said, wait, he's kind of talking our language. Mm-hmm. You know, because we want to bring marketing to everybody. And so we said, what if we support entrepreneurially minded businesses? Yeah. And that's what we're going to do. And we're going to figure out every way we can to make them successful. And that is exactly what we continue to do to this very day. Right. And there's more bolt-on all the time because, you know, the world's changing and the market's changing and companies are changing. And so we're always changing with them. And it's keeping us, frankly, uh, young, engaged, and, um, and growing. I mean, you know, we, that, as long as we chase that idea, that ideal, that constantly evolving challenge, this business will continue to be very relevant. Well, yeah, and I think that, and, and maybe that's why it resonated with me when I met you guys, because as I was venturing on my own entrepreneurially as well, that message resonated with me because when I looked at the larger ad agencies and everything else, you have these preconceived notions, which, you know, for whatever, it kept me at bay, right? And I felt like I had to do it all on my own. And I see that. I see what you're trying to do. And and when you guys were telling me what you were doing, I thought, well, that makes perfect sense. I mean, no one else is doing it. That that was my initial reaction, right? Like no one's really doing it. Well, so here's what that looks like. I've been really, really very blessed in my career to have been a part of some unbelievable shifts in the market. Right. And um, for us on a very small scale, but it's promising and it's a good start, we'll call it. Um, In this market where we started, in the eight years that we've been in business, the actual actual industry, the advertising agency or, or marketing agency, branding, design, website building, whatever, the, 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 the size of the industry here has shrunk by 30%. Has it really? Yes. Wow, that's surprising to me. In the meantime, we've grown 100%, 100%, 50%, 70%, simply because we just make it much easier yeah, to engage easier and get started and get busy and start doing the things that people want to do. Every single time we engage a client, there's no short list of, you know, we don't have to to tell them, usually from the beginning, they've got a list already of, oh, here's all the stuff I want to start doing. You know, and you ask, why didn't you do this stuff before? And the answer is, I don't know. We just, it was too hard to think about getting going. But now that you guys are here, here's my list. See you next week. It seemed yeah. overwhelming. Yeah. I love it. I love your business model. I love what you guys are doing. What's next for you as we wrap up here? You know, what's it looking like? <laughs> Where are we going next? What is the next well, that's six clear. months, a year? Really? Where is it going? You take it. Really? Wow. You know, we, we from the very beginning wanted to build a scalable business. So we've, we've spent a lot of time in the last two years building the systems and 
I mean, I know we just talked about management and process and bureaucracy, but we've we've built a very nimble but fast-paced uh, system for growth. And the reason for that um, is, you know, we, we aim to, to double and then triple the size of our business yet again. And, and, and uh, we advertise nationally already. We'll continue to, to pursue that. We'll pursue some, we've got plans to open in, in some other markets um, through a series of either startups or acquisitions and, um, and, and take what we've learned here and what we've built here and um, share it with folks in some other cities uh, and see uh, if we can't find the same level of, let's see, market attractiveness um, <laughs> that, that we've certainly found here. You want to add to that, Mike? Yeah, it, it, it's, it, it's incredibly encouraging for almost any business because we've all been there before. It's like, oh, you know, there's nothing new under the sun, you know, I mean, what am I going to do in my category? You know, and as we've explored this whole idea, it goes right back to the order of magnitude better. You know, if you just focus on your end customer and making their life easier, that will reverse engineer into this supremely huge advantage in your business if you want to work at it. Right. Okay. And so, you know, and I'm going to, you know, McDonald's, I'm going to call them out here really quickly. You know, 1972, the Egg McMuffin was born, but they didn't start offering all-day breakfast until their profits were in the ditch in 2015. And when they finally gave the market, meaning all us people who were at incredibly frustrated at 1031 on a Saturday, <laughs> and they switched, can't get your Egg McMuffin. I mean, you're telling me that for what? 35 or 40 years, do the math. They didn't know that we wanted all-day breakfast. No, they just didn't. And, and read the articles on it. It was going to be hard work for the franchisees. They didn't want to work that hard. They didn't want to work that hard. Yeah, it's okay. They had other things that they were trying to grow and sell until they ran, ran out of those. Well, yeah. you know, the juice wasn't worth the squeeze from their standpoint. Right. <laughs> right. And, and so for us, you know, we've been incredibly entertained slightly and, and stunned on the other hand because as we've researched our business model of you know an outsourced marketing department through a flat fee subscription where you get a timeshared marketing director and everything you need we can't find another model like it in the country we can't there's nobody doing it which is right. why as we've started to hang we're, we're going to be on Sirius XM next week yeah okay and we we're doing our own online market we're doing our own marketing and now we've got clients in Wisconsin and New Jersey and Oklahoma and Michigan and Florida, Florida. I mean they just so <laughs> folks are coming to us we're not <laughs> yeah we're not even, you know we're beginning to advertise a little bit but it's been largely organic coming in yeah mm -hmm. the market signal is strong <laughs> that's right yeah I love it. How can people get in touch with you? How can you, how can they, they easily get in touch with you? Uh, rsmconnect.com. Everything you need is there. You can find Mike's phone number and, and uh, email us directly from there. Um, we're pretty straightforward. We, you know, we take those calls and we, we're not shy about getting somebody on the phone very quickly, listening for a few minutes, getting a clear understanding of what their goals are and being able to give them, you know, we don't run people through a hugely exhaustive process of six mm -hmm. months of figuring out what the cost is going to be. We usually can put together a pretty fair cost up front and, and, and generally what we tell clients is, you know, let, let's get started. Let's build a relationship. Let's figure out, uh, let, let's not spend a lot of time trying to make it uh, perfect out of the gate. Um, yeah. So, so you know, we can, we often go from, from a first phone call to uh, starting work with somebody within a week or two. Wow. I love that. Mm -hmm. 
I love that. Well, I appreciate both of you. I appreciate taking the time to, to sit down with me. And again, kind of get a little inside baseball on the marketing side, but I appreciate your leadership style, both of you as individuals. I mean, I don't know if, how you guys look at yourselves. If you see yourself as leaders, you intentionally or consciously think about leadership. I think y- you've you've shared some authentic um, and vulnerable stories that sh- shows that you are thinking about it. So I just want to appreciate your leadership style and the support you've given this show over the past five years. So thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you, Richard. Thanks for having us. Hey, thanks for tuning into this special episode on Dose of Leadership where we talk to the founders of RSM Marketing. Remember, RSM Marketing provides an outsourced marketing department where you as a client can receive a marketing director and all the resources that you need under one flat fee monthly subscription. RSM employs dozens of specialists and experienced marketing directors to assist entrepreneurially-minded companies ranging from startups to market leaders with thousands of employees. Companies all across the country from all categories are choosing this model to overcome marketing complexity and outpace their competition. A typical outsourcing client uses 11 subject matter experts and specialists but pays less than the cost of one full-time employee. RSM's mission is to achieve breakthrough for clients, and RSM has been named twice to the Inc. 5000 list. You can find out more at rsmconnect.com or a special Dose of Leadership link, outsourcemarketingteam.com slash dose, where you can learn more. Thanks for tuning in.